to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. days that changed everything. In the natural, it didn't start too well on day one. On day one, they watched as their Savior, the Messiah, the one they placed all their hope in. They watched him hang upon a cross and they watched him die. It didn't look good. It didn't look good. He had told them that he was going to come back, but no one had ever come back from the dead before and they couldn't understand it. Day two, still nothing. Come on, that interim period can be tough at times. Any time you've been waiting. Do you remember what it was like, especially as a kid? You were going on vacation, maybe to Disney World or to the beach or somewhere really special. And your parents would tell you, come on, we're going in a month. A month felt like three years. You were counting down the days. You were counting down the hours. My cousins, they count down the sleeps. Only five more sleeps. Only four more sleeps. It seemed like forever. And you thought, is it ever going to get there. But no matter how long it seemed, it got there. And it happened just as scheduled. Those waiting moments can be really, really tough. But I'm telling you, the day twos are not easy. But hold on, it's not the end. Day three is about to come. And we're just believing for you today that God will touch your life. Would you pray with me today? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are awesome. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to be here today. And God, I pray that you would touch each one of our hearts and touch our lives. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Day three. Guess what? An empty tomb. Day three, an empty tomb. Why? Because he is no longer dead, but he is alive. The title of our message today is From Death to Life. From Death to Life. To life, And we want to show you how that affects, impacts, and changes each one of our lives today. And we're going to look and see the greatness of God. But before we do that, just turn to someone around you and say, relax, the roof didn't fall in. Come on, I've heard that, man. If I come to church, the roof is going to cave in. Come on, the roof's still up. Everything's good. We're going to have a good time in the house. I'm actually going to preach from a passage of Scripture that I've never preached from before and specifically never at Easter. But I came across this this week and I thought, wow, that is the truth of where we are at today. And it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we're actually going to read a few verses today, verses 1 through 9 and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. And this is a letter that Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. That's why it's Corinthians. He's writing them a letter. He's writing instruction to them. And he says these words beginning in verse 1. He says, Now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters... 
of the good news. Come on, it's about time we had some good news, amen? Let me remind you of the good news. And by the way, gospel means good news. The gospel message is good news for our lives. He says, I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now. For your faith is built on this wonderful message. And it is the good news that saves you if you firmly believe in it. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was the most important and what has also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day, come on, day three, as the scriptures as said, verse five, he was seen by Peter. Come on, who? He was seen by Peter. Please remember that name. We're coming back to him. And then to the 12 apostles, he was seen by Peter and then the disciples of Jesus Christ. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time most of whom, Paul writes, are still alive at that time. Obviously not at this time, but at the time that he's writing, though some may have died by now. What I'm trying to say today is, if you've seen in the scripture is, the resurrection is a historical fact. It's a historical fact. It happened that many people, hundreds of people, it's a recorded fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And it's pretty interesting to note that even the religious leaders and those that crucified Jesus, they were worried about it happening. Come on, they were even worried about Jesus coming back. Why? They stationed guards outside the tomb. They said, please, we've got to watch out because he's saying that in three days he's going to rise from the dead. They didn't want his disciples to steal him away. They didn't want him. And they thought they could do what they needed to do to stop Jesus. Come on, man can't stop the resurrection power of Jesus. No matter what they do, they couldn't do it. So where were we? We were seen by Peter, by the 12, then by 500, verse 7. Then seen by James. Come on, help me out. It's not a trick question. Then seen by James. James is actually the brother of Jesus. Remember that name. We're coming back to that too. And later, by all the apostles. And last of all, I saw him too. Paul is right in this. So Paul, I saw him too, long after the others, as though I had been born at the wrong time. For I am, again Paul, this is Paul saying, I am the least of all the apostles. I'm the lowest of any follower of Christ. And I am not worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church of God. But whatever I am now, come on, whatever I am now, when? He didn't say whatever I was then, what I used to be, the life that I used to live and the wrong decisions that I've made for my life. He says, but whatever I am now, it is all because, it is only because God poured out his special favor on me and not without result. I like that. God put his glory, his favor, his hand upon me because I was a pretty bad guy. But now I am who I am because of God's working in my life. New King James Version says of verse 10, but the grace of God or by the grace of God, I am 
what I am. The Message Bible says, but because God was so gracious, so very gracious, here I am. Here I stand, Paul says, having another chance. I love the last part of the New Living Translation. It says, and not without result. Paul was never the same again. Listen to me, you can't get no worse than Paul. I don't care what you've done. Paul persecuted the church. He hunted them down. He killed women, children, men. Why? He had such a hatred against God. He had such a hatred against Christianity. And he felt that it was his call in life to destroy, to annihilate, to stop that movement. Come on, he thought it was a movement that was happening. But no matter what he did... He wasn't able to stop it. And in the middle of trying to persecute those people, God came to him. God revealed himself. Yet God's grace was still made available to him. And God was willing to forgive him and later use him as a majority of the New Testament was later written by this man who was once called Saul, but now converted to be a man named Paul. But I think it's very interesting in that passage of Scripture that amongst the list of all the people, there were hundreds of people that were seen by Jesus. There are only three names that are recorded. Seen by Peter, seen by James, and then seen by me or seen by Paul. Peter, James, and Paul. Why were these three mentioned? Why not other people? Why not the other disciples? Why not other people? I'm telling you why. Each one of these men failed Jesus. They failed Jesus. But even in their failure, when he returns, he looks out for them above anyone else. He goes after them and they are listed by name. They are the only ones personally recorded and listed by name. Here's Peter, first of all. He's the one that just before the crucifixion, Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And Jesus begins to talk about being betrayed. He talks about his death. He talks about what has been happening. And here's Peter. He's the one that always is the vocal one. He's the one that always speaks out. And he says in Matthew 26, verse 35, even if I have to die for you, come on, I'll never deny you. I'll never leave you. And then the other disciples followed. But he was the one that said this. Jesus, again, had just talked about having to die to redeem mankind. He talked about how his disciples would leave him. He talked about how they would forsake him. He talked about them being made to stumble because they would leave him in that moment. And here's Peter, a few verses before that, verse 33 and verse 34, Peter answers and said unto him, if even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, This night, come on, not a week from now, not a month from now, you're going to still remember what I'm saying because it's fresh to you. Jesus says, this night, before the rooster crows three times, you will, or before it crows, you will deny me three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. And then that's when he says, oh, Jesus, I'll die for you. Not me, maybe everyone else, but not me. I will never do that. And guess what? It happens. 
He denies Christ. He fails Jesus. So more about him in a second. Who was the second person on our list? James. James is the brother of Jesus. If anyone should have realized who Jesus was, it should have been him. Imagine being brought up in the house with Jesus. We talked about this the other day. It wouldn't have been a popular thing to be around Jesus. Why? Because he couldn't lie. So if mom needed to know anything, she didn't bother asking all the other kids. She just asked Jesus. Jesus would tell her exactly what was happening. Come on now. Everyone was told on because Jesus couldn't lie. Come on. Anytime they would probably hide Jesus. They'd probably cover his mouth. They didn't want Jesus to speak because Jesus would say it was James, it was John, it was them. Imagine being brought up in a home with him. Imagine looking at Jesus. Jesus probably didn't look like them. He was like that redhead stepchild. You know what I'm saying? He didn't look like them, perhaps. And they knew there was something different about him. But yet James, no matter the stories that his mother would tell them about an angel coming and about this being the Messiah, about this being God's son, James and his family, the Bible says, couldn't accept that. They couldn't grasp that. And in fact, the Bible says they were offended by him. He was an offense to them, an embarrassment to them. They denied him. They didn't want to almost be around him. And here's the brother of James, or Jesus. James, he is one of those people. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and he rejected who he was. But yet, listed by name. Jesus comes to find, not Susie, not David, but comes to find James. He goes out of his way to find the one that could not accept who he was. And history records that because of seeing a resurrected Christ, James became a believer and ultimately the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he wrote a book in the New Testament called the book of James. Again, Jesus could have so easily skipped by him. Come on, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't bother about the people who had rejected me. I wouldn't bother with the people who had denied me. Come on, they had their chance. They had their opportunity. And they chose, they made the choice not to be a part of it. So let me go after the people who want to be a part of my life. But no, not Jesus. Grace and truth says no matter what you've done, Come on, you're the one that I want. You're the one that I'm going after. You're the one. It's not about the crowd. It's about you. Come on, say with me, grace. Grace, his grace, his mercy. That's what these three days are all about, his grace. And the last one listed is Paul. He says, here am I. And Paul, we talked about Paul persecuting the church, doing everything he can to destroy them. Paul is the kind of guy that says, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Anything and everything that you could do against God, he had done it. And he was the best at it too. But still, he was sought out by Jesus. Jesus looked to give him another chance. And he's now an eyewitness to the risen Christ. He's the representation of the next generation of believers. He's the one that would carry on the torch. He would be the one that would still continue the gospel message. And I love the fact when I read this passage, it jumped out to me. The ones that failed him the most were the ones he loved the most. They were the ones that he looked out for 
the most. He called them by name. I wonder today if that list was to be written today, if your name would be on there. I wonder if your name would be on there because you have failed Christ. I wonder if your name would be on there because you've denied Christ. I wonder if your name would be on there because you're not living for Him, you're serving him, not serving Him, you're rebelling against Him because of all that you have done. Maybe you're sitting here today and say, yes, Pastor, my name would be on that list. I've let Him down. I haven't been perfect. I certainly don't deserve His love and attention. I want to tell you right now, you're exactly the one He died for. You're exactly the one He died for. There is no sin, no matter how strong sin is. Come on, we sang it earlier. Come on, He is stronger. No matter how far you've gone, His love goes further. Come on, His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. Come on, he can touch and reach exactly. I like what Jesus said. He said this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. They have no need of a doctor, but it's only those who are sick. You've got to understand the story. Jesus is just called Matthew. He's a tax collector. He worked for the IRS. Not a popular person. Not someone that you would think would be part of Jesus' crew, but Jesus walks up to him while he is dealing, while he is wrongfully taken from people, and Jesus looks at him square in the eye and he says, follow me. Well, the religious leaders didn't like that. And they said, "Who? why would you be with such people? Why do you want to be around such people? And then that's when Jesus says, come on, it's the sick that need the help. It's the sick that need a doctor. Come on, because that's who he came for. He came for those who were lost. He came for those who were broken. He came for those that were lacking peace in their life. He came from those who have no direction, no hope in their lives. He came from the, for those who have willfully rejected him. And for a few moments today, I want to talk more about Peter, if I may, today. Peter, Peter. Can you imagine the struggle that he's going through in his life after he's denied Christ? After he has had an opportunity to stand up for Christ. And while in Christ's greatest need, He has let him down the hardest. He's struggling. He's trying to live with the failure of his life. It's amazing that in Luke it talks about this, that when he denied Jesus for the last time, the third time, the Bible says that Jesus looked at him. He was that close that Jesus and him could make eye contact. How do you ever escape that look? How do you ever get free from that? You're laying in bed at night and all you can see is that love that's crying out, but yet you rejected that and you forsook that. He can't get over the hurt. And that's where a lot of people, that's where you may be today. You're not able to get over the hurt. You're not able to get over the failures. Come on, the rejection, the failed marriage, just you feel cheated on, abused, overlooked. People have wronged you. Maybe that's where you're at. You're unable to shake that. You're able to get over that today. 
So Peter is so discouraged that he turns to those around him and he says these words, I'm going back fishing. Now, it wasn't the fact that fishing was wrong. I know many of you in here are glad that fishing's not wrong. Fishing's a good thing. You can relax. You can have a good time. Fishing's a whole lot better when it's called catching, amen? Because you can fish and catch nothing. And it wasn't the fishing that was wrong, but it was the fact that in his failure, in his mistake, the only option that he felt he had was to go back to his old life, to resort back to what he used to be, because he used to be a fisherman. Jesus came and said to him, you're not going to fish for fish any longer, but you're going to fish for men. You've got a new occupation. You've got a new life. You've got a new future. But because of his failure, he now no longer feels worthy to be there. So he resorts back to the old life, to the old way, to the old friends, to the old habits, to the old things. And it's an amazing, isn't it? What do they say? Misery seeks company. Because he doesn't just go along. There's a whole boatload of people who are discouraged like him. Come on, you've got to watch the voices that are speaking into your life. You've got to watch who you're surrounding yourself with because you need to be around some people who are going to challenge you in the decisions you made, not just go along with them when they're wrong. And now they're all fishing and they're all toiling. John 21 verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going also with you. And they went out immediately, got in the boat, and that night caught nothing. I like how one translation says they toiled all night. I like that word, toiled. They toiled all night. And they caught nothing. Nada. Zilch. Nothing. They had nothing to show for all their hard work and all their effort all night. So can you imagine? He's now not only discouraged of the fact that he's let Jesus down. He's not now just hurting because he failed Jesus at his greatest time of need. He's now discouraged and frustrated and annoyed because he's trying to produce something in his life, but to no avail. Nothing's happening. Come on, he knows the fishing hot spots. Come on, they used to fish there for a living. They knew the places. They knew where the fish were. They knew what to do. And he's done everything that he knows to do, but yet he is left empty with still nothing inside of his boat. Why is that? Because there's only one person that can satisfy. And that's Jesus. And we're going to read on. And here's the part that we talked about at the beginning that Paul writes about Jesus coming to Peter. Here is that part. It says this, but when the morning had come, verse 4, Jesus stood on the shore, yet his disciples did not know it was him. I wonder how many times... This scene has played out in our lives. Jesus has showed up and we didn't even realize it was him. I wonder how many opportunities he stepped in and changed and worked and moved to bless our lives, but yet we still do not see him. Jesus asks them a question, verse 5. He says, do you have any food? The reality is this. Jesus knew the answer. Why did Jesus know the answer? Because he knows everything. Come on, you ain't fooling God. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't fooling God. Come on, you ain't fooling him. You ain't beating the system. God knows 
all things. Listen, this is how great God is. Are you ready? He knows your thoughts before you've even thought them. Wow, that's powerful. Help us, Jesus. Come on, someone say, help us, Jesus. Jesus is asking a question he knows the answer to. But here's what he was requiring from them. He just needed them to admit the fact that they were failing in what they were doing. He just needs us to admit the fact that we're not happy like we thought we were. Come on, he just needs us to come clean and say, this isn't peace, this isn't really living, this is not what I thought it was. It was one of the hardest words that they probably were able to say that day, that two-letter word, no. Do you have any food? No. Come on, their pride, their ego. None of us want to admit failure. It's a struggle for us to ask for help. Then Jesus says to them, verse 6, here's the time he could have said a whole lot. Come on now. Jesus says to them, now here's the time he could have said a whole lot. He could have said, of course you don't have any food, you stupid idiots. Because I told you not to do that any longer. It's because of your stupidity. Are you dumb or something? What's wrong with you? I'm glad you're tired and frustrated because it serves you right. Come on, if you were Jesus on the shore, wouldn't you be? Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't respond in frustration? He responds in grace. He responds in grace. Come on, because grace says this. Jesus said to them, hey, you've maybe fished all night, but just put your net on the other side of the boat. Come on, put it on the right side of the boat and you're going to find some. Jesus doesn't come and judge, judges them. He's not here to judge you today. Jesus is not here to condemn you today. Jesus is here to give you grace and he's here to show you what can happen when you begin to follow his word. Come on, you can begin to see what can happen when you listen to his voice instead of following your own way and trying to figure out life on your own. You start listening to Jesus because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And for some strange reason, they followed Jesus' advice and they threw the nets over the other side of the boat and the Bible says that the nets were so full that they couldn't not even bring them in for the fish. Come on, that's the abundance of life that Jesus has for each and every one of us. Quit rowing with an empty boat. Come on, God wants your life to be full to overflowing with blessing, peace, comfort, joy, strength, happiness. Come on, God wants to give you more than you could ever require. Why? Because God gives you so much so you can pass it on to someone else. His grace. He doesn't judge them. He helps them. He gives them his word. John's in the boat with Peter. He recognizes the tactics because Jesus has done this before. They were out fishing before and and, and Jesus has done this before. And he recognizes what's taken place. And he says, hold on a second. I know that advice. I know that that's got to be Jesus. And suddenly they realize it's Jesus. Peter doesn't need any more. He dives in the water. He swims to the shore. He's running up to Jesus. Why? Because my God, I let him down and he's alive. And when he gets on the shore, Jesus doesn't need their fish. Jesus already has a meal prepared for them. And here's what I want you to see today. That was all just the introduction. Are you ready? Here's what I want you to see today. 
John 21, verse 15 through 17. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He's pointing to the other disciples, those around. Do you love me more than these people? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Jesus said to him one more time, then would you tend my sheep? Then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you lovely? Literally, are you my friend? And Peter was grieved because he said to him three times, or the third time, do you love me? You see, Peter is not seeing what's taking place here. Come on. And Peter says to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Pastor, why is that important? I'm telling you why that is important. Because just moments earlier, Peter denies Jesus Christ three times. Now Jesus, without even Peter realizing, gives him the opportunity three times to make it right. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Come on, no matter your failures, no matter how you let him down, his grace says today, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And for every one of your wrongs, Jesus says, I still love you. 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 Love, look at this, is greater than anything we have ever done in the past. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've messed up, how far you've wandered away. I want you to know something. His L-O-V-E is greater than that. Come on, his love as he hung upon a cross and he said, Father, forgive them. He was forgiven you once and for all. And all you and I have to do is accept that forgiveness and listen to his voice. And we don't have to be empty. We don't have to be confused, but our lives can be full in him. His love is greater than anything that you have ever, ever done in your past. But really notice this. Jesus wasn't just asking if he loved him. The real test was this. Will you serve me and will you follow me? Will you follow me? Look at this statement. Because of his success, our failures can become successes. What do I mean by that? Because he succeeded, because he died once and for all for you and I, because he became the ultimate sacrifice for us. Every failure of our life, he can turn it around and make it into a success. Come on, he can take those tests and he can make it a testimony. Come on, we can testify of what he's done in our life. We now have something to share to other people because just like that blind man, he said, once I was blind, now I see. You may not understand it all, but the failures of your past, God can use to be the successes of your future that can change you and touch your life. Jesus then goes on and he talks to Peter about what's going to happen. He talks about the tragedy, actually, that's going to come to Peter's life. And why would I add that? Because it's in the Word of God. It's not for me to leave things out for the story. And the reason I would say that is this. I don't believe in saying to you, give your life to Christ and you'll never have another problem. 
Some people say that, give your life to Christ and and you'll have a worry-free life. I hate to tell you, that's a lie. It's not the truth. You're still going to have problems. You're still going to have adversities. You're still going to have trials. But may I remind you that you have now Jesus in the boat with you. Come on. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And you can rise above those things. And those things can be the greatest learning and the greatest strength and the greatest blessings for our lives. Come on, it's not a worry-free life. It's just a God-less free life. Come on, he's going to always be with you and he's going to be there to help you through. Jesus said to him all this, are you ready? He says, don't worry about all that which is going to happen. Just worry about one thing. Follow me. Just give everything to me. I'm sure Peter wanted to talk more about what he had done, and Jesus wasn't interested in that. Jesus doesn't want to talk about our past. He's interested in our present so he can begin to share with us about our future. Come on, what we were, he's not interested in anymore because that's not who we are. We're a brand new creation. We're a brand new from this day forward. We're new in him. Why? Because of his death, you and I can have life. And that's what Easter is all about. Through his death and resurrection, we can now have life. Listen, the tomb may be empty, but the promises for, his, for your life are not. The tomb's empty, but his promises for your life are full. They're still available. They're still there for you. He appears to Peter. He appears to James. And he appears to Paul. And he appears to you and I today. We know how they responded, but how will you respond? How will you respond? As I close today, look at this. I read this this week and I thought, wow, this is perfect to close this message. Revelations 21 verse 1 says this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. There was no more See, what you've got to understand here is John has been banished. He has been exiled to a barren island called Patmos. Because of his stand for God, John, one of the disciples of Jesus, he's now been exiled. He's now been put away. So all around him, each and every day, all he sees is just an ocean. He sees a sea. What is that ocean? What is that sea? That is that which separates him from home. It's that which separates him from his family. It's that which separates him from his friends. It's that which separates him from the life that he had in Christ Jesus. And what does he say? He says, I see no more sea. That may not mean much to you, but what he's saying is this. Because of heaven, because of Jesus, there's no more barriers any longer. Come on, those restrictions and those restraints, those things that have surrounded my life that had hindered me from having a relationship with God, that have hindered me from being what I need to be. He said there is no more sea. Every restriction and every limitation and every separation has been gone. What a picture of the life that Jesus has for you today. Oh, but I can't do that because of this. It's gone in the name of Jesus. Oh, but you don't know how bad I failed him. It's gone. Come on, there is no more sea. There is no more separation. You are the one that Jesus is crying out for today. Can you picture that new life in him today? No more sea. God loves you so much. He's calling you by name right now. 
come on, you're not just a face in the crowd. You are a name. You are someone so important to him today. Would you stand to your feet all over this place right now? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.